Amen, amen. There's just something special about hearing Mother Harrison sing and play. Uh, of course, Reverend Denise, I love you as well. I love your, your playing and singing, but it's something special about hearing your mom. And so we want her to know that we as a church really appreciate it when you grace us with your word and song. Uh, especially when you're singing it, because you do such a wonderful job. We bless you. I see uh, Minister Swan holding up the 10 sign, like, so you hit it dead on the nail, and you, you went to the highest score, Mother Harrison, so we bless God for you, and thank you so much. Amen. You've heard the reading of the scriptures, so let us pray. God, we do bless your name for allowing us to come once again to stand at this sacred desk to talk about what do we do when our backs are against the wall. So, God, we thank you for the edification that you have provided to us. We thank you for providing the wherewithal where we can understand what it is that you are saying to a dying world. God, we ask that you will continue to lift us up continue to let us be uh, in attendance uh, to what you have to say. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Let these words of my mouth be acceptable to in your sight. Oh God, you are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. What do you do when your back is against the wall? We are in part two this morning. And this week, we have the same subject that we did last week. What do you do when your back is against the wall? However, this part two is more practical. So I'm, I'm terming it as our practical analysis. Let me tell you a, a true story as I get started. There was a man uh, that I know who had no savings, who had bills left and right. Anybody out there know what bills left and right are? Uh, you are just inundated because you got more month than money. He, uh, he had zero credit. Uh, nobody would just loan him anything because his credit was not so good. And they wouldn't even give him credit for the zero that he had. And somebody will get that one later on. I mean, this was a, a bad situation. And before you get all upset and uh, try to put it on your pastor. It was not me. This is somebody else I'm talking about, but it is a true story. He not only didn't have any real credit, but he certainly didn't own any stocks or bonds or definitely not any Bitcoin stock, which is now trading at uh, over $57,000 per share. Uh, somebody wants to be rich and they are looking at Bitcoin. Amen, somebody. But what's this man's son needed a mere $600? It seems like a mere thing. When you don't have it, it is a, a humongous thing. And he needed $600 to have the engine fixed on his car. And after the car was fixed, uh, the man was faced with another bill, and then another bill, then another bill, and another bill came in. So much 
so that the man had no ability to pay for the car bill. So the mechanic who fixed the car put a lien on the car and, and the car was put in storage for over six months, no driving the vehicle. The man was distraught. The son was distraught. And the son was not only distraught, but he was devastated because he was a teenager and he felt that his back was against the wall, uh, just like his dad's back was. The man was living right. He was giving right. He was tithing on everything that came in. He was providing his all to God, and he was giving his all to God's people. But it seemed like God had forgotten him. His back was squarely up against the wall. So I ask you now, like Pastor Iantha and I did last week, what do you do when your back is against the wall? And who do you trust? Where is your faith? And what do you focus on when your back is against the wall? You see, last week we defined that what back against the wall means. It means to be put in an untenable position where it may seem that there is no way out. And this week I'm prepared to take this topic just a little further and go into some practicalities of what this means. The reason for being practical is so we can all gain some more spiritual perspectives on what it means to be backed in a corner or back against the wall. Now, I want any of y'all to write me email. Don't send me no uh, Facebook messages. Don't call and and say, where are your hermeneutics and your exegesis of the scriptures of this excellent ecumenical and evangelistic uh, scripture, where is it? I will simply tell you it's in there. You better be looking for it because today as we are real, it's in there. The hermeneutics, the interpretation, the exegesis, the explanation, it's in there. But don't ask me to explain it to you. Some of y'all are going to have to dig a little deeper yourself. Amen, somebody. Because uh, you see, the scriptures are put in all kinds of different translations. And so you can and you should and you must take the time to get a better understanding on your own. Amen, walls. I know I, I know. I might be touching a nerve here or there, but I'm just saying it to you. Oh, oh we, we will do our job. Pastor I and I, we will always do our job and provide as much explanation and interpretation as possible. But we admonish you to know God for yourself. Don't rely on just what I have to tell you. Don't rely on what Pastor I have to tell you. Just know God. For yourself, and what better way for you to know God than to know His Word? There is no better way. And whatever you don't get, you need to come to Bible study. Uh, that happens every week for our edification. 
I hope I got some agreeing witnesses out there. Uh, you know, because at Bible study is so that we can gain interpretation and understanding of God's word. So anyway, last week, we told you how King Jehoshaphat, the fourth king of Judah, found himself in a situation where his back was against the wall. We, we preached out of 2 Chronicles 20, verses 1 through 12. And he was in dire straits, and some would say. This problem was not as simple as a financial problem, which is what I mentioned in my little story early on. With his back against the wall, Jehoshaphat knew that he and his people were likely to lose their lives. He had a much greater problem. Mean, angry, unruly, and ruthless killers were coming to kill him and all who supported him. Remind me of how the terrorists who flew the planes into the two World Trade Center buildings in New York and into the Pentagon. One major difference is that the terrorists hit us by surprise, whereas King Jehoshaphat knew he who was coming, but he didn't know how to deal with it. But Jehoshaphat laid out a spiritual game plan, Pastor I. Because he was a godly man. Ah. He knew God and God knew him. A and his game plan was laid out in several easy steps that we told you last week. First of all, you got to fast and pray. This is what he did. And we told you about the push principle, not the pray until something happens. But we recoined the phrase and said, pray until we shake heaven. Then uh, Jehoshaphat pleaded his case to God, sometimes even saying things that he already had told God before and that God already knew because he knows everything. And then, you know, we told you that you don't give up unless you're turning it over to God. For we must do like Jehoshaphat did and fix our eyes on God. That's the prize. We got to let go and let God take control. So in my story previously, the man did this. Daily did he get on his knees and plead his case to God. Daily did he pray until he got heaven's attention. And after turning his problem over to God, he just fixed his faith. He fixed his focus. He fixed his feelings when he wasn't numb on Jesus. Somebody get that little quip later as well. Because sometimes we get numb and we don't even feel like praying. We don't even know how to pray. But we know that God, when we are believers, we know that we can go to God and pray. And so it, it sometimes it seems that whenever someone's back is against the wall, they at first just don't know what to do. Uh, let me bring it to you at your doorstep, some of you. You had been hoping 
for a great medical report. But the report that you got back seemed to come straight out of the pit of hell. Oh, you, 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 you thought you were going to get money to pay all of your bills, but the drips and drabbles took every penny of what you had, including that stimulus money you got. So much so that you had to rob Peter to pay Paul. And that was only if there was something available to be robbed. And, and as an aside, I told you to tithe on that stimulus money. So, so, so if you didn't do it, well, that's on you. But I, if you had so you needed to do it so God will take that stored up blessing and bless you later on down the road and probably when you least expected it. Here's a few more practical back your against the wall scenarios. You kept waiting for changes in your story so someone would see a little personal glory in your life. Get so you get a little bit better, uh, and you but you've been waiting for five years, maybe five years, maybe five years, maybe even more than five years, and nothing has happened yet. I'm, I'm just being real this morning because some folks seem to be waiting and waiting and waiting. You have marched to your wall and shouted at it. Uh, just like in Joshua 6 and 20, and where they came to the walls of Jericho. And then, by the way, you tried to march around your wall quietly, just like they did at first. But since you had competing walls come and block your progress, no matter which way you turn, your, your wall did not come crashing down like those for Joshua. But instead, your wall was more fortified, it seemed, than ever before. I hope I got some witnesses to this picture out there. Here's a few more. Like Ronald Reagan saying to the Russian president, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And so you hollered and you cried and you snorted and you snotted up to God, telling him the exact same word. God, tear down this wall. Oh, you got indignant. But it seems, it seems, it seems as if he hasn't heard a thing you had to say. Am I right about it? I know I am. I know I am. And the candidate on Officer and a Gentleman in that movie, you, you, you even tried to climb the wall so you could get over but you failed each and every time you climbed. I, I, I know I'm on somebody's street today. If not, I'm on my own street, so just let me be transparent here today, because I've had a time or two where I've tried to climb the wall and it just didn't seem to work out. So what do you do? What do you do when your back is against the wall? Well, First of all, we got to accept the fact that there will be times when our backs will be against the wall. How do you do that, Pastor Keith? How, how do you do that? Uh, well, let me tell you how I did it. I've been living. 
And I hope that you keep on living because you will know that sometimes your back will get become against the wall. Because the Bible said in Job 14 that man born of a woman, all of us are born of a woman. So that means that a man or a woman born of a woman has but a few days. And those days are full of trouble, full of times where your back is against the wall, full of it. The Bible tells us that. So sometimes our backs are against even relatively small walls. But after I had my mini stroke some years ago, my right hand started feeling arthritic on a daily basis. And the only way it seemed that I could get some relief was to put on one of those um, copper fit gloves with the fingers cut out of them and, and, and wear them day and many times at night so I could get some relief. And I was discussing this minor wall in my life with a friend of mine who told me something profound and it stuck with me. What was it? He said, he said, he said, you know, the older we get, the more we are just going to have some things that we will have to live with. And you know what? Unless God heals my condition, I will have to live with that small wall in my life. I hope you heard me because some things we are just not necessarily going to get rid of. Uh, but the translation, some walls are a part of our journey. You keep on living, they're going to be in your journey. And unless God removes them, you just might have them on your journey. And some are intentionally placed there by God to get your attention. But that's a sermon for another day. We'll tell you that some other time. But looking back at our text, King Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. And in the middle of this test of faith, the Lord showed up. I don't know who this is for this morning, but I put this in because the Lord told me to, to, to tell you that he had just showed up at your wall. I don't know who it is because God will show in, in the life of the believer. I, I don't know who it is, but, but I, I hope I have some witnesses out there because God will show up and he will show out in your uh, wall situation. The Lord showed up in verse 14 of the text where he came to Zechariah's son, Jehaziel, and, and he told him to tell Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah to go out there, get out there tomorrow and assume your fighting position. I hope you're getting a fighting position going on the wall. I, I, and for those of you who are listening, are you listening? I, I ask that question because the Spirit is telling us that when our backs are against the wall, that we should expect that there will be some things on our wall 
that we will be having as a part of our journey. But believers, the good news is you have an edge. We have an edge. Uh, and what is that edge? That edge is an on-time God. Hallelujah. He will show up in our situations. Hallelujah. He will show up just on time, in the nick of time, right when you needed him most. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. I, I'm a witness that he will. I, I know he will. Right when you didn't even expect it, he will show up. In other words, like the story with my hand. Expect your enemies, expect your issues, expect your problems, expect your trials, expect your tribulations and your circumstances to become part of your journey. But like he says in verse number 15, don't be afraid. Don't be scared to death. Uh, don't be dismayed and don't be discouraged. Because this is a battle that you don't even have to fight. Hallelujah. In other words, God will show up and show out in due season. That's a word for somebody right there. I'm so happy to know that God will show up. Even if you're thinking about getting afraid, you don't have to because this is one that you don't even have to fight. When God is in it, we are going to win it. And so we can march on by faith. Not only that, but verse 17 also says to position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Remember, I already told you that God has already showed up on your wall. God is already there. So let me give you another little quick story. I can remember sometime back about 17 years ago, and I probably told you this story once before, when Pastor I and I were looking to build uh, our dream home, we had signed a contract for six acres of land, and there were following, uh, there we were following the process that the builder and his financial people had. Yet the builder and his people uh, from day one started showing some racist tendencies and, and they somehow figured out a way of kicking us out of our contract. And they sold those six acres right out from under us. Now, the, the good news is that I had already used my blanket prayer. Here's my blanket prayer. Uh, it's one. It's what I call my just-in-case prayer, where I had prayed to over uh, this move, and I'd asked God to confound the process if it wasn't for us. If it wasn't his will, confound the process. And of course, uh, and then uh, looking at this in the flesh, um, we, as people do, we flip-flop back and forth in, in the spirit because sometimes we, in the flesh, want what we want in the flesh. Y'all know what I mean. And I wanted this new house on those six acres in the fleshly way. Somebody out there knew I'm telling the truth. And so, uh, you know, we thought that that land 
was for her living past that. We 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 uh, drooled over it. We uh, prayed over. We walked the ground. We told God, "Oh, thank you, Lord, Hallelujah, praise your name." And, and, and well, after our contract was kicked out, I, and I saw just how racist these people were, I wanted to fight it all. I wanted to go downtown D.C. and let some of those housing discrimination agencies know just how bad we were treated. Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. But, but that was not a battle that I had to fight. And Pastor Iantha told me so. I know I may have told you this story before, but she being led by God said to me, don't fight. We're not going to have to fight. Just let it go. And it took some doing because I was ready to <laughs> fight. I was going tooth and nail. I was going to let those people have it. I was going to tell the world how bad this builder and his people were. But uh, I did as she said. I went ahead and did it. And I didn't find anything. Now, it, it wasn't two weeks later that uh, this whole situation turned around. But, but I did what she said, and also the builder, he was very successful with that land. In case some of you all were wondering if we tried to say sick of God, go get them, God, because you know they're wrong, and let them have it, God. You, you, know, you know how we do. But no, we didn't say sick them. We just bagged out, uh, and, 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 and we didn't even know anything else happened other than success for them on that land. Perhaps they did uh, get paid back, but we never knew anything about it. But God, because God won't always show you how he pays people back. He, you might want to see it, but he may not always show you how you can reap what you sow. So for us, however, God's favor was doubled on us. And we were able to make the choice of uh, two great pieces of land on which to build. So the point here is, when our backs are against the wall, listen to God. Listen to God. Listen to God. Pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention to God. And follow his instructions. He said, get in position. He told Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah, Get in position and then stand still, standing, and watch him provide favor back to you in his own way. That's what we got to do, people. That's the practical way of understanding what God is saying to us. We got to listen to him. We got to stand there and we got to pay attention. We got to understand that he has a position. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And we got to live according to his purpose, not our own. So Jehoshaphat listened intently to what God had to say through Jehaziel. And then in verse 18, he went and prayed some more. He bowed his face to the ground. And so he prayed again. First time he called for a fast and he prayed. Now he bowed his whole body down to the ground in humility. 
and he is praying to God. He's bowing down, and, and when the people saw it, they began to bow down and pray as well. And then, then they decided that they were all going to worship God. So people of God, we have to assume the position when our backs are against the wall. We got to worship in spite of what it looks like. Did you hear me? I, I, I hope that you are hearing me out there. The point is that when our backs are against the wall, we must worship God relentlessly. We must worship God repeatedly. We must worship God continually. What did I say? We must worship God relentlessly, meaning we can't give it up. We must worship God repeatedly. That means over and over and over again. And then we must worship God continually, meaning that when we're doing it, we got to, if we can think about it, we got to call his name. We got to praise him. We got to worship him. We got to honor him. We got to adore him. You see, I read somewhere that when that praise confuses the enemy. So if your uh, situation is upside down or your situation is back against the wall, I believe that when praises go up, blessings will come down. Do I have a witness out there? And let me tell you this, it ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party called a Holy Ghost party don't stop. And so that somebody needs to know that when you're worshiping God and when you're Praising God. Things are bound to get better than what they are. You see, because in verse 19, the praise party got loud. They said they were basically out of control with thinking about how good God was going to bring them out. They didn't know it, but they were just praising God in advance. And somebody said we got to praise him in advance to understand what he's going to do for us because when we praise, as I already told you, the praises go up. Your blessing is on the way. Your blessing with your name on it is coming down. So sometimes we got to jump. Sometimes we got to shout. Sometimes we got to dance in praise. They said David danced all out of his clothes because he was in a praise mode to God. Sometimes we got to shout jump. And, 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 and dance and praise. I know some of us want to be all quiet and reflective and, uh, you know, just kind of thank you, Jesus. But every now and then, God has to hear a productive praise. You know what a productive praise is? a loud praise. It's a hollering praise. It's a thank you, Lord praise. It's a thank you, Jesus praise. So you brought me a mighty long way. That's the kind of productive praise he's looking for. Sometimes God wants to hear a prevalent praise. It's always there. Sometimes God wants to hear a preeminent praise. You praise him before you praise that new car you got, before you praise your money, before you praise that job and all those other things. You preeminently Praise him because he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Why? Because he deserves uh, yeah. the uh, highest yeah. praise. God oh, deserves God. praise over anything mm. that this world can be. God is the one who deserves the perfect praise. The one that 
that deserves praise when everything seems to be going up in smoke. So let me take you back to this first story that I mentioned about the man who couldn't pay on his son's car, didn't have money. Well, since he was a man of God, he listened to God intently. He listened to God intently, just like the scripture says. He, he stood up uh, and stood still at God's command intently. And then he praised God continually. And guess what? The Lord showed up in his life in a major way and showed great favor on him. What happened, Pastor Keith? God caused his finances to be blessed so much that every single bill he had was completely paid off. He supernaturally blessed them with money that he was not expecting, and it allowed he and his wife to pay off every single bill that they owed anybody. And his family was blessed. But not only that, favor was extended to the son so that the son could establish credit as a teenager with the local credit union using his little after-school money. He wasn't making much, but they allowed him to get a loan with his little bit of money and take out a loan for the $600 and get his car from the mechanic's shop. Not only that, but the son got so established, had so much favor in his credit, and paid his bills so well that he could go back to the credit union and borrow money to go to college on. So my question to you is, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he bless you? Won't he keep you? When your back is against the wall, when you're looking at the practicalities of it all, it ain't gonna look like it ought to always look. It ain't gonna seem like it always ought to seem. But we know that if we trust in the Lord, if we pray until we uh, hit heaven, if we, if we just go back and stand still and see the favor, see the deliverance of God, that things will work out. So what do you do when your back is up against the world? You trust in God. You focus your faith. Go to him in prayer. You go in humility, you pray, you keep God on your side. And I declare to you, everything will be all right. And the people of God said, amen.